Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, April 21st. We're doing something special on today's podcast. Now, we are so fortunate each and every day to have the support of our friends at Tennis Point, who you know are the lifeblood for so many, providing the equipment for their tennis performances. And as you know, each and every day, we tell you, you can go to tennis-point.com right now to find the latest equipment at the greatest prices. But we decided to do something a little bit different today. Take our relationship with Tennis Point to the next level. We took this podcast on the road. And while we are so fortunate to be joined every week by our friend Nate Walrith from Tennis Point, we are even more fortunate today to be joined by him in person as we are at the Tennis Point headquarters here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And joining me for our standard edition of Tennis Point Tuesdays on a Thursday this week, it's my friend, my guy from Tennis Point, Nate Walrith. Nate, it is great to see you. We never get to do this in person. This is what a treat. What a treat. Hopefully the first of many. I know Western and Southern's got a set up for us, so we can hopefully uh, take a little advantage of. But no, awesome having you and Westoff come down here yeah. from Indianapolis, make the trek, and check out the new showroom. Uh, no, we got to uh, we nerded out in the warehouse for a while. I know we, you were like kid in a candy store back there. That's like <laughs> that was like my first kind of feel as well like I was I just want to ask you a question like, do you remember the first time you ever bought a racket or a shoe and going into a store physically wow great question I can't tell you the exact year it was I can tell you the racket it was it was the, the prince yellow one and okay. I, I know I'm not supposed to use the p word at tennis point <laughs> HQ and by the way I appreciate that you brought Dominic Tien, an angry looking Dominic team after his loss yesterday uh, in Belgrade as well as Angelique Kerber here to join us at the podcast but I remember that feeling more than anything else I remember routinely. And I'm not saying we did it every week because I did have friends and I did have some sort of a life. That's that's my excuse here, Nate. I did have friends. Can we call that? Is that our podcast title today? I did have friends. Um, at least once a month, we would go to, it was called Tennis and Golf for us, a Tennis and Golf Pro Shop uh, in located in Southeast Michigan. doesn't hold the candle to our friends here at Tennis Point, but we'd go there at least once a month, demo rackets in their little hitting wall machine where you have the ball machine feed to you for, what, five minutes yep. as you're swinging. You just, I mean, once a month, once someone had a car, right, where it was just like, hey, let's go check out the sticks. Someone needs to go get a racket restrung. Let's go feel it. I mean, I imagine you had similar experience. Yeah, there's nothing like it. I think that's why I was asking is like, even as we've gotten older it's like there's still nothing like going and putting your hands on some rackets the new shoes and latest kicks and the the latest apparel and um no i think with our our, our setup now it's i'm like i'm, I'm really happy and it's like we're, we're proud of what we did here and it's 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 cool that we can we can host people when we come in and it's like this, the yellow and black is is pretty fun and i know you got the you got the shirt on yourself looking good my man so Look, i'm team yellow you are team yellow one of the captains of team yellow one, over here i put the c on my chest right now <laughs> I, I expect it absolutely but no, to your point, and, you know, again, to be here in Tennis Point, which uh, to be here in the pro shop, which is just something I think a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to do, you know, since the pandemic began in March of 2020. And 
I am curious because it's a renovated shop mm -hmm. and you know we see obviously it's beautifully well done and you can see how open this floor plan is now has there been a buzz with people coming back in and obviously summer months ahead as well but just in-person shopping and being here at the renovated tennis point hq i gotta imagine it's fun to walk into work every day it is it's a, no it's a blessing to walk into work every day i love what we do here and i think um just watching kids or adults faces coming when they yeah. first see this place for the first time they're just like is this midwest sports i was <laughs> like we, we were one midwest sports it's the same people but um we, we uh we're, we're yellow and black now and it's it, the, the store has a little bit different feel and it'll have a just it smells a little different now it smells like tennis point a little bit so no it's um no it's just awesome to kind of see the kids faces and the adults faces when they come in here and they're just like the kind of the shock value that this place provides and i think that's uh just to enhance that experience like it, that's what it's all about it was back in the storage room around the c6 section i actually <laughs> saw a tennis point cologne and so yeah you're right there is a tennis point smell in here there's no doubt about that but it's super exciting to see again whether it smells it's, like when you uh, pop the yeah pop the exactly. can and, yeah, no, yeah. for sure and yeah i mean across the board just to be here it, it has been extraordinarily fun for us and to be able to see all the products obviously that's something we enjoy and you know I got to chat with my old friend Dave Lemke your co colleague at Tennis Point about the latest and greatest products out there in the market I do want to ask you about this because I asked him this and this is one of those things where sure anecdotally we know pickleball is on the rise we mm -hmm. know more people are playing it but again for we're the same generation, and there was someone here, obviously part of the Tennis Point team, who was calling you an old man, and I just want you to know that it stabbed me in the chest as well, because I was like, Nate is like nine months older than me. If he's old, I'm not young. Um, but the prominent placement of the pickleball, yeah. uh, of the pickleball gear, of the you know the 40-hole balls, the 26-hole balls, which yep. I learned about today, and the various you, you know degrees of gradation on the paddles. How real is the pickleball craze, and not just amongst older people, you know, mm -hmm. 45, 50 plus, where the movement becomes a little bit easier. But amongst people our age, are people coming into the store and saying, hey, me and four friends want a pickleball kick because we've heard it's very easy to go out and play? Mm -hmm. For 100%. And I think you bring a great point. It's like that was strategic, strategically placed in the front yeah. of the, the showroom, you know. that was It was noticeable. I was like, I yeah. walk in and I see rackets, but I also see pickleball rackets. Yeah, you got like 20 feet of pickleball rackets. And I think we have like, I don't know, 140, 150 different variations of paddles, which is insane. So I don't know if I'm, my product knowledge is up to point on all of those paddles, but uh, no. So pickleball, it's an amazing sport. You know, I was kind of against it for a while with with kind of how it, I felt like it was um, impacting tennis's growth. But I was really just like, after, after kind of coming around, I was like, no, tennis needs to learn from pickleball yeah. and what pickleball is doing and making it all about community and being inclusive and uh, making making it more of just a, a fun atmosphere for casuals to pick up and try out on the weekend when they have free time and not it's not it's not intimidating. It's not like these. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's very, you know, put your put your paddle in. We, we'll find you a partner. Don't worry about it. And it's the fastest growing sport in America for a reason. It's I think we we had 10 million new players come into the market uh, since COVID, which is just an astronomical number. And I think it speaks volumes to, to what kind of tennis or what pickleball, just the people in general, what they've done for the sport. You know, these they promote their sport so well. And I think tennis can kind of uh, emulate that in a way and m m make it more fun. But even people our age, I mean, like yeah. I can't get some of my friends to go pick up a tennis racket and go s hit some forehands. But, you know, when, when pickleball came out, it's like I'm seeing these guys that they're going from softball fields to the pickleball courts, and it's like they, they, they want that. They want that engaging, interactive, you know, meeting new people. There's 
I mean, the courts are packed everywhere. Here's the problem and how I know we might actually be old men is I've had that same experience of seeing people go from the softball field to the pickleball th- uh, court, and you're just like, that. those are old men's sports. That, it's like, <laughs> I've had the exact same scenario. I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right as I hear you say that. At the same time, to your point, I think it's a little bit harder for, and I like the way you refer to them as casuals, for people who didn't play tennis their whole lives to mm-hmm. go play tennis with someone who has. Because respectfully, you know, did I play at the collegiate level? No, but I played my whole life. If it's a binary scale, and I'm mm-hmm. sure some of the listeners ha- will have this resonate with them, I'm a one, not a zero. I mm-hmm. would say I'm competent, not mm-hmm. incompetent. Pickleball, that gap, even between someone who's never played and someone who has played before, it's just narrowed. Like mm-hmm. the, the gap is not as big. It's more achievable to have two people out there playing consistent rallies, still enjoying the facsimile of the sport. You know, when it's tennis, someone versus good and bad, you're not even playing real tennis. You're just begging for them to keep the ball alive. Pickleball can always be that sort of engaging sport with parody amongst yeah, your friends. Yeah, we want to bring ca- like casuals exactly. to me. Is like We want those casuals to be part of our sports. I want whether, you engaged. Yeah, we want them to be a part of it. We want them to either It's play. also a gateway, right? Like pickleball, if yeah. you enjoy it enough, you say, well, maybe I can do this tennis thing. Yeah, you watch the guy next to you hitting some big forehands, and you're like, yeah. maybe I can string that some of those together. That looks even better. Yeah, that looks like that sounds even a little different. Like, yeah. the only knock I have on pickleball is the noise. Like, that's just, it's just not, like, even my best shot in pickleball is not that rewarding from a sound feel perspective. Like, but other than that, pickleball, it's like, I'm playing with, you know, mom and dad, the, the grandma and grandpa. It's like, it's like the new badminton, but it's, it's a little more fast paced. So, no, pickleball is, we, we've come to uh, just have a, a, a new understanding of it and kind of kind of falling in love with it over here as well. Yeah, but I'll tell you what is a great feeling in pickleball when you're bitching in the kitchen like, and it's all <laughs> working for you. You're just like, yeah, let's Dude, rock and roll. Yep. No, t- somebody tell yeah, t- I feel like a ball hog in pickleball. Yeah. Like, I'm just sitting at the front of the net, just fully full extension, and I'm uh, I'm taking every ball I can get. So I'm also like, you know, my arm is like two feet. Like it's not me in the kitchen; yeah. it's an arm. And so no, I would completely agree with you there. And yeah, I, I do think. The pickleball sensation is real, and it is so noticeable coming into approach shop, which I will acknowledge. I just haven't been to that many that frequently of late. I am sure if I did, I would see similar pickleball gear uh, everywhere. That said, and we do not discriminate against pickleball lovers. We happen to enjoy the sport as well, but I want to talk about some tennis since I have sure. you there. And since we can talk in-person tennis, which we just aren't able you know zoom is the new in person but this is that much better and i also feel like (laughs) this is so stupid you've now seen me for the first time in that you saw the like uh, the amazement on my face when i walked into that rally and you're like okay you really are just a nerd no that's so now you know that's the the speaking the language my man so it's like uh (laughs) having another one of my yeah it's i think that's the coolest part is like Uh, we 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 still have that tennis nerd in us at heart and it's uh it's never, a language. It, it is a language. And yeah. it's something, yeah, you, when you speak it, it's... Although, did you hear about how they've added redlining to our language and they've removed treeing? Do we have... Tr- so treeing got removed, huh? I know. They've removed I, it from the lexicon. I, when, the kids, when the kids at clinic put the put the racket on their head, it's, that's every that, time. That's what I'm saying. And, like, I'm pretty sure by the end of high school, I'd converted some of my friends to using treeing pejoratively. Like, oh, I treat on that I test. Tre- I'm sure. <laughs> like, I got a 97. And so, devastated. You didn't redline on the test. That sounds no. like you cheated. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the sound of that. What's the red pen? gets whipped out that's that's a problem exactly that's not a good thing but let's talk about the tennis action we have this week because it's another busy action on the atp and wta tours i also want the opportunity to talk to you a little about about the college tennis ranks because of course for people who don't know the newest sponsor of the ita rankings is our friends at tennis point and by the way shout out to you guys it's uh, again another display of your commitment not only to providing the best equipment at the best prices but your commitment to growing the game at all levels and Mm -hmm. the investment you guys have made on tennis channel 
tennis, you know, uh, junior tennis, collegiate tennis, obviously with the pros as well, it's clear you're all in. And I know that's something the entire tennis universe appreciates. So thank you for that fact. Uh, With that said, I do want to start our tennis conversation by looking at Barcelona, because I think Barcelona is the best way to bring in the results we saw last week. And certainly at the start of last week, and I believe we talked about it on our Tennis Point Tuesday episode, the match everyone was looking forward to was the Jokeraz matchup, a.k.a. Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz. Are we fine calling it Jokeraz? I'm kind of in cool with on it. that nickname. I like I'm it. On the spot Carlito. here, folks. Yeah, Carlitos. <laughs> that was good. Um, you know, that we all got so excited for that quarterfinal. Neither guy ended up winning a match in Monte Carlo. Now, yep. that said, the projected quarterfinal this week, Stefano Tsitsipas, who goes for I think Monte I might have said that Carlos was going to come in mentally fatigued. Yeah. You, you tried to walk me off that ledge. I'm pretty sure I was the one who told you you're so wrong. And I actually <laughs> think you, like, nailed the prediction I was like, perfectly. I think he's going to be mentally fatigued. You know, you got a 500, got a Masters 1000. I was like, nah. He's, he's crossing the pond now. I'm, I'm more hype probably in Europe. You know, but and you're, and now I was like, no, nah, it's Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, I was like, so let's update because, you know, this is a running segment here on this show. Is his first round loss in Monte Carlo knock him out of the GOAT conversation? Or is he still alive? No, he's still yeah, alive, alive and well. Alive <laughs> and well. Yeah, alive yeah. and well. Well, a little blemish. You know, again, we got so excited for Jokeraz. Now, We've got Raz, and whether that happens or not, certainly we're a step closer as Carlos Alcaraz, ultimately a three-set victory today, uh, today over Sun Wukwan. Now, Stefano Tsitsipas, I believe, was scheduled today over against Ilya Vashko, who, by the way, quietly, statistically, was one of the nine guys to rank top 20 in hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players, but that's because he was one of the most successful players at the 250 level, and all that 250 success boosted his stats. That said, uh, that's a tough first-round match for Tsitsipas, who a wise man once said maybe he comes in physically and mentally fatigued after such a big victory last week in Monte Carlo. I mean, that said, and I think when you look at the top quarter of the draw, and any quarter of the draw, that's the highlight match, right? That's the premier match, and I think that's the thing we need to see most, because well, I'm curious your thoughts on this. You look at the Roland Garros men's singles power rankings right now. I think Rafa has definitively earned the right to mm-hmm. be number one. I think after that, you probably go Djokovic too, just because he's your defending champ. And what he summoned last year after not playing particularly well going into it, like, just can't be denied. Might have been his most impressive slam one. After that, I would agree. After that, I would say you probably put Tsitsipas three, right? Mm-hmm. Finalist last year. He's backed up all of the clay success already with his Monte Carlo victory. Semifinals Australian Open this year. The question is, what does it look like after that? Mm-hmm. And there are people who are ready to quit the Alex Vera bandwagon because you just know the passivity is going to come in the big moments. I can't knock you for that anymore. Match against Tsitsipas. Again, Medvedev yeah. injured right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't know if that's the guy. After that, it's like Sinner, Rublev, or is it Carlos Alcaraz? Like, that's why, to me, I need to see Carlos Alcaraz. Because anecdotally, I think he is a top four guy. And now it's just him, you know, manifesting that self on court. We're going to see that matchup, I would have to imagine, with, with Tsitsipas versus Alcaraz. I don't, I mean, I know there's some, I mean, Grigor's playing good tennis. Yeah. Vodka's, I mean, a, a, tr- a tricky matchup, but I think Carlos has, you know, been able to regroup. He'll be able to find his footing on the clay surface after uh, changing surfaces quickly. And then you got, I mean, Tsitsipas, who's, he's kind of shown that this is the surface that he's most confident playing aggressive front foot tennis and uh, his athleticism, his movement. He's so rock solid coming forward uh, compared to I think the other top 10 guys. That's what kind of sets him apart is from the baseline, he can hang and then, but his ability to kind of, he's, he's not scared to, to finish off in the front court, which a lot of these guys are, they, they resist doing that. It's like um, you can name almost 
and especially you saw Zverev and Rublev two that stick out um, more predominantly and, and Medvedev it's like they just look a little naked up there they don't look very comfortable but Tsitsipas I mean the diving volley he had against Diego on that what it was it was going to be a passing shot against 95% yeah. of the tour I mean Tsitsipas to set up the match point yeah it's yeah, like that's a joke so yeah. that type of stuff I think, I think that's going to give him the, the confidence and the edge that he needs to uh, to be a contender at Roland Garros and I, I expect him to have a, another strong so, run at Barcelona so if it's not Rafa is Tsitsipas your pick to win it? Or do you go Djokovic? Do you go Alcaraz? Where are you right now with that? I'm, I'm, I think Sitsipas is like I'm, I did five a, sets in the final yeah. last year. It's not exactly a bad take, and I mean no. his break percentage. He goes from 21% on the hard courts to 30% on clay. That's going from 36th amongst top 50 players to 19th mm-hmm. amongst top 50 players. He's he goes by the way as a server. He's sixth on hard courts. He's fourth on oh. clay courts. So it's just like you are an elite server, but you get that much better on the clay, and you go from a bad returner to an above average returner. Mm-hmm. Like again, Matt the timing Matt, that he gets on the clay court. It's everything. It's everything. His, his physicality, how he slides into his mm-hmm. corners. Like, his on-the-run forehand on clay is a different beast. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way he hits the sliding slice, too, there's just, like, there's a strength he's, to everything he, he does. Yeah, I think he's not, on the hard courts, he can't flatten out the, the shot that gets past these guys, especially on a quicker court. He doesn't really have, there's really not a big boost for him to yeah. go to hard court because that ball is not as flat. On the clay court, though, like, that ball is so heavy, and it's up on guy's shoulder, and it's just, he. it almost looks like a semi-frame when he hits it well. It doesn't look quite as clean as those guys, but that thing's coming off so nasty at these guys at their shoulder height, and it's it's a problem. And he's getting to the forehand so frequently. He's the, he's hitting the serve, and it's, it feels like 85% of the time that first ball is a forehand, and that ball is getting punished. Inside-out forehand of Stefano Tsitsipas or Carlos Alcaraz, who would you rather have over the next five years? Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, see, again, this is why it's not out of the go. The ball, looks, the ball just looks, sounds, it's yeah. different. Although Alcaraz got tested again. Three-set victory for him over Sunwoo Kwan, and there is certainly that guy's a balling, degree though. of pressure. Now, Kwan? Yeah. Oh, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Ball. Like, yeah, and he's so solid so, physically. Yeah. And just like, again, he's Mackie McDonald with a worse press agent. Like, again, <laughs> if, if he was American and played college times, we would talk about Sun Wukong with the exact same sort of excitement because the combination of athleticism, speed, and then just fundamentally sound. Like, both rock and feel. Yeah, and both, yeah, both rock and feel. They're both a little bit flatter, but yeah, yeah, still yeah. impressive. And Quan, obviously, one of your winningest players on the Challenger Tour last year. Do we want to do 10 minutes on Sun Wukong? You know, I've always got that segment. I know, I know we could. Just, I, yeah. I respect what that guy does on surface to surface. He's yeah. just, he's fun to watch. But it's, it's the floor. He's just got such yeah. a high floor yep. as a player. I agree with you because of the fundamentals. That's good. We got our three. Our That's all we need. Shout to Quan. And cut. Um, but no, with that said, uh, you know, I do think the fascinating matchup, and uh, if, you know, the undercard matchup, dare I say, are we sure Alcaraz gets through Hami Munar if Munar gets the round of 16 as well? And I believe Munar does knock off Nicholas Basilashvili today. Uh, yep. I should say you're hearing this on Thursday. We're recording it on Wednesday. Uh, but I do believe Basilashvili gets uh, knocked off by mm-hmm. Munar, who just quietly has been a nightmare for mm-hmm. opponents this season. Has clearly taken another jump physically. The depth he's able to get on his ball is better. You look at the majority of his challenger success, it's come on clay courts. He's won over 70% of his clay court matches in general since the tour resumed in August of 2020. I think he's a top 50 guy on clay for sure. Yeah. I think it's a nightmare matchup for Alcaraz. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it goes to show that the two guys that seem to spend the most time at the Rafa Nadal Academy have, it's paid dividends. You got <laughs> David Falkina, 
Suarez with the final Monte Carlo, and now you got Munar, who's just been that's good. Just a solid start to the year on the uh, Sunshine Swing, and now on the clay, I think he's he's going to be a problem as well. He's just both those guys are playing with a ton of confidence, and I think yeah, you train with a guy like Rafa or at his place and with those resources and stuff, and you have Rafa kind of in your corner shouting you out on. So it's like it gives you that little bit of mental edge that you that you belong in that that little belief that you need against these these top guys. How long would you need to train at the Rafael Nadal Oof. Academy to win one ATP point? To win one ATP, oh. just a futures first round match. Gosh, you can go on the Monaco swing or do like I, do, go out to Tunisia for six months. I need, I need two years. Yeah, give me two years. Give me two years, and I'm getting a doubles point. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm holding serve on the, on the doubles court. Well, the thing is, you'll charm someone at the academy over those two years enough, like whether it be a young Alcaraz or someone. You're like, we just play with me for one. I just, I really need this point. Um, yeah, that's a. I think that two years sounds about right. Like, yeah, that's two years in the lab. I mean, I've seen your serve. I think we all have on the tennis point commercials. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah you can hang. <laughs> so you'll be fine. This guy. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move through these sections again. I want to yep. go pretty quickly here. The one that's most fascinating to me is this second quarter of the draw in Barcelona because I have no idea what's going to happen. Cam yep. Nori uh, earns a victory today. He's now going to match up with Marton Fucevic. Fucevic, I believe, two and one victory over the traditionally tough Federico Del Bonis, the Argentinian mm-hmm. uh, who was seated at this event but knocked out in straights. You've got Alex Diaz. Hour, who, by the way, has won three clay court matches in his first two events. He won four total clay court matches last season. It's open uh, It's open spread for him in terms of adding points to his resume. Good three-set victory for him over Umber. I actually do think he looks a little more comfortable as a mover this season. But, again, the names remaining. Lloyd Harris beats Albert Ramos-Vanolas. Alex Diemenauer, Marton Fucevic, Cam Nori. Nori's been sneaky solid mm-hmm. on clay courts. That was, that was a good win he had yesterday. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you there. Awesome was- uh, but, like, is he a definitive favorite at this point on a clay court against anyone? <laughs> no. Have we seen no, enough? No, like, no, that's no, my no. Thing. no. So that's my thing. This section feels no. like if it's, it's Demon Hour Nori in that quarterfinal matchup, who are you taking? Nori, maybe? Yeah, I'm taking Nori. By yeah. hair? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I trust Nori now. I, I, I trust him to, to come up with what he, what he his problem solving is what I trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that section and just that, that section is interesting and. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's a great section, but but again, the one... Lloyd Harris has found, his, found his game? Yeah, I do think the bottom half of the draw, to me, is the more intriguing, and we've got mm-hmm. it out in front of us here now, but you look, Schwartzman Musetti, the rematch from Monte Carlo. I mean, two guys physically just put a million balls in play, and let's not forget Musetti was up a set and a break on mm-hmm. him last week. Musetti... He's the real deal on clay. What have you? What have you thought of his? I, I feel like I'm watching a completely different player yeah. from what I just saw in, in, in the American Swing here and all these events. It's like what whatever just happened across when he crossed the pond. He looks. He just transcended I his have game. A, a short list of players who actually have their movement and get better from hard court to clay. Yep. And I feel like that never happens. That might be American bias there, but I feel like every tennis player is better moving on hard courts than clay just because you have your feet under yep. you. His ball striking is is another level on this on, stuff. Uh, what he can do on the stretch, on the slide, it's just yep. it's special. His def- his ability to defend way deep in each corner and way far behind the baseline and he can move forward. He's, he's his the sliding that he's able to recover with is just it's its amazing to watch what he can do on this stuff because I mean we watched him get blitzed by J.J. Wolf on Phoenix like one and two in like 50 minutes it felt like and it's like I was like oh is this guy not going to be the guy we thought he was going to be but then you get him on these clay courts again and now he instantly looks like another guy that's top 25 in the world if, when you put him on a clay court so no the the dirt is makes a difference and it's some of these guys that you can tell who's kind of grown up on it and who's trained on this as, as, as a kid growing up in the game and who uh, has kind of struggled to do it and it's a lot of these big hitters that we saw farewell in the hard courts, 
not so much. No, I, I mean, again, that's why we talked about a guy like Munar earlier now, yep. obviously Schwartzman, who said it's the creativity. It's also the strength he has, mm. like his ability to go full sp uh, swing six feet behind the baseline on that one-handed backhand and generate mm. pace and depth and angle and just he finds the cross courts. It's that head boom he's got, man. Yeah, exactly. He's also, the, he might be the fastest on the clay courts yeah. out there. Like just yeah. his first step is out of control. Sorry, Westoff. I haven't been sleeping much, so the filter is gone. He, With the MF for reference, he gave me a look there in the background. I do apologize. but It's more editing work for Westoff, man. Come on. Yeah, I guess, Clean it up. But yeah, he's writing down the notes. <laughs> I like to say, God, God forbid. Yeah, you know what? Never mind. I was going to make a joke. I'm not going to. I was going to say, we actually making him produce today. Um, but yeah, now it's out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Um, he's a great producer. Don't yell at me. There's some people who, anyways. Um, you look at this section of the draw, it's the physical section. I yep. love the section. We get Tiafo versus Felix tomorrow. That's going to be exceptional. And I thought Felix looked really comfortable today against Carlos Taberner. Mm -hmm. Actually dictated. What did you think, Dominic? Team, you also thought it was a good match. You know, I'm looking at him. Behind <laughs> He thought it was good. Uh, he has a scowl on his face as if he disagrees. Um, but that whole bottom half is, yeah. I, I think, the physical section. Now, I think Felix is the outlier, but Schwartzman, Musetti, Tiafo all still alive. And then mm -hmm. beyond that, Crano Boost is still alive. Casper Rude still alive. The wild card to me is Emil Rusevori. And you, you know that's one. You of were my up guys. at like seven in the morning hyping this guy up. Well, I saw I saw your tweets earlier. I was like, wow. I was like, I hope Crustin's gonna be late for this podcast. You know He's why like, I was up at seven in the morning is because I was like, I gotta get on the bike for forty five minutes to impress my boy Nate. I was like, I can't be coming here looking like a slob. Um, and so that is why. Truth no, I woke up, opened up Twitter app, and I was like. My guy's already tweeting about Rusevori, man. This guy's ready to go. <laughs> exactly. That's how you knew I was prime time. Um, well, it is a holiday. That was my coffee this morning uh, right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Open up the Twitter app. Um, but so with that said, you know, he's just made a jump as a mover. And I, the forehand was always there. But the backhand, his ability to drive that ball down. He just has the weapons. Like, mm -hmm. the more tennis I watch, the more I realize. And I used to be enthralled by these guys physically or just, you know, the, the grinders, the people who wouldn't make unforced errors, who would commit fully and just, you know, again, you got to drag me off this court to beat me. The older I've gotten, the more I realize, like, anyone can learn that skill. What you can't fake are the weapons. What you mm -hmm. can't fake are the contact point, And Rusevori's got that. Mm -hmm. No, Richard Warrior's a great mover. He's a good athlete. Uh, I know we've compared him in the past to a guy like Sinner. I think he's a slightly better athlete than, than Sinner. Slightly. Slightly. I think he's a little cleaner. Now we're talking. I, I, think oh, he's a little, I think he's a little cleaner out of the corner. Like, And Sinner is like going to get the most out of his talent, and he's going to reach his potential just because his work ethic, I think, is is next to none, and I think he just loves the game. So I think Sinner's going to hit his ceiling. And I think Rusevori is similar in that way. Like These guys put the work, and I got to watch him on the practice courts a lot in Indian Wells and stuff, and not many guys I feel like were working on very specific, detailed-oriented practices, but Rusevori was – I just love watching how he approached the practice courts, and I think that's a guy that I look to uh, just be consistent across all, all surfaces. His open court forehand, you're just like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just gets all of his weight behind yeah, it. You does. can feel it viscerally, and so yeah, again, it's it's going to be a fun draw in Barcelona, and of course, Casper. You know what? I was joking about this on the podcast yesterday after massive letdowns in Monte Carlo. This is where we're going to get the Miami Open final rematch. It's going to be Alcaraz versus Rude in the Barcelona final. It's going to be a balance restored to the force. Where are you at with this Barcelona event? I would like to see that matchup. I mean, Casper Ruud is uh, insane on the clay, but give me uh, give me Carlos from the top. Getting a, give me Diego. Diego's got to be hungry. Coming off a tough a tough uh, final or a tough semifinal against Tsitsipas, where he had he he didn't even choke. He had chances, but like he didn't choke, and then somehow still didn't come up with the goods to to take that one home. But Diego is just insane on the stuff. Yeah. Like I think he's. 
he's one of my top ten must-watch guys on clay. Like I have to, if he's playing, I have to watch this guy. Fair. I mean, look, Rusevori is probably like I get center last week, round of six, uh, 32. I get you know Rude this week, round of 16. What do I have to do to just get a Senego as a draw, like a Carreno Busta, please? With that in mind, the guy I'm sneaky keeping an eye on is Carreno Busta because, you know, again, he's quietly been really solid this year. Not exceptional, but he's still a guy who's clearly in the prime of his career. The numbers reflect as much. He had a bad, uh, you know, uh, sunshine swing, but I thought played pretty well at Australia and played pretty well in the first month of the season. Now we're back on the clay courts. Mm -hmm. He was decent last weekend as well. Mm -hmm. That said, give me Rude Rude Alcaraz. I'm sticking with it. Give me the Miami Open final, but this time in Barcelona. That said, let's go to Belgrade as well. And right Mm -hmm. now on court, the reason we have the iPad open in front of us and we're recording this on Wednesday, Novak Djokovic in the third set, dropped the first versus Laszlo Jure, who of course has had so much clay court success at the challenger level of late. His backhand on this surface is special. And while I would rather watch Daniel Westhoff hit forehands than Laszlo hit forehands, physically he's a nightmare and he's just going to make you pay. And that is, I, that's why even Djokovic, you know, again, it's another three set match for Djokovic in his second tournament back. I think this is the best thing for him. I think the only questions we have about Novak Djokovic, it's never the tennis. It's how fit is he? heading into the French Open. He's made clear, my intention is to play as much tennis as possible between now and then. I mean, again, for Djokovic, I think a three-set, you know, big picture is a good thing for him mm-hmm. early on. Yeah, his, his physicality, he was he was very disappointed in how his body performed, I think, yeah. in last week. And it, it kind of let him down, and he felt like he had to get with his team to, to kind of get back on schedule to, so he could peak at Roland Garros, a place where he's looking to, to notch another one and tie Rafa at 21 obviously that's kind of his long term he's not been shy about his goal and that's I think that's been really cool for tennis fans to follow is like the pressure is real like he's putting it on himself he's he's comfortable talking about it and he realizes like these tournaments are important to him and he wants to win but and at the end of the day it's all about Roland Garros for Novak Djokovic and if he gets a win here great but I think he's just another step closer if he if he doesn't he's down he's on serve down two three um and if he doesn't get the win I think this was a solid result I mean Jerry is Jerry is playing really solid tennis and just a tough customer to, and you have to be on your like against any of these guys you have to be on your game and like even if it's a guy like Novak Djokovic if, if he's not if he's on his B game you can get knocked off against these, these guys and uh, a lot of these Serbians are, are, are playing high level ball right now and if he wins he plays as uh, Miramir Kachmanovic who's just been on fire this season and one of the maybe most most improved players on the tour yeah no I, I think that's a good call and they were slated to play in the first round of the Australian Open right yeah, yeah, and yeah. that match getting yep. cancelled a massive you know inflection point for Kachmanovic maybe in his career and so now it's like There'd be a beautiful poetry to them playing, and then Kasmanovic beats him, and he's like, "No, no, no, this in Belgrade, yeah, yeah." Like I swear, but obviously it's in Belgrade, as you mentioned, on home soil. And Mm so, with that in mind, you see Karatsev, who beat Djokovic in this tournament last year. He's got Holger Rune, I believe, coming up, or a potential matchup there. Let's see. I'm bummed about Safflin. Oh no, it's yeah. Safflin had to retire against. He he pulled out before Hajanov matchup, Mm -hmm. which is Safflin. I've been waiting for him to kind of find that because we saw it at ATP Cup. He produced amazing tennis there, and I looked for him to kind of be that next carrots of the guy we were going to see come out of nowhere uh, off, off of the uh, just ATP Cup must just get these guys' juices flowing. No, uh, for absolutely. I mean, ditto with uh, who's the pull, Camille Mychak, who yeah, uh, yeah, also yeah. played great yep. alongside of Hubie Hercots, and they went on a little two-man run. And yeah, I mean, again, uh, unfortunately that happened. I agree with you. you that said, Holger Rune, Yuri Holger Lechechka, Rune, Holger too, Rune, man. And Lechechka, too, is another yep. guy. They've been killing it at the challenge level, both obviously under 21 years old. Lechechka-Rublev is a fun first-round matchup. Rune now has Tar Daniel, honestly, Holger torched Darren, and there's a world, yeah, so which is just incredible, like, ridiculous. And there's a world where I think Holger makes the finals in this yep. tournament. Like he has been that good. 
and it, he's been that good and it's his his mind is he believes that he's there from like a level standpoint he doesn't like you can just tell like I liked how he took the loss who did he, he lost to uh, who he lost to last week Holger it, yeah in Monte Carlo he lost in a three setter right, to uh, as well someone good someone really good yeah and he said like no, he's like yeah he's like no this is a loss but I, I see this as a very positive result he's like I'm, I'm hanging in there against these top guys now and you know he's taking the set off of Novak in a, in a grand slam he's had these results now where he's he shows that at his top level he's a top 30 guy already at 18 years old so I, I think Holger Rune is like we talked about in the past his backhand is unbelievable his serve continues to get bigger he continues to find more weight on the forehand and his movement he's such a good athlete uh, he's not the biggest guy in stature but he makes up for it with his explosive movement and his court coverage and the new added drop shot that him and Rodiglu have worked on it looks like in the past six months seven months he's added that to his arsenal and that's dangerous because a lot of these guys do not look comfortable coming forward and Holger's uh, making these guys pay for it no I, I completely agree with you there it was Kasparud last Kasparud, week Kasparud yeah yeah, yeah. Carlo. Yep. And now that I like see, I, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah duh, uh, that yeah, was yep. the match, 100. percent Um, yep. yeah, I agree with you. Again, we watch so much tennis, man. And yeah, no doubt. And physically, he gets better and better as mm-hmm. well. And so it's very excited. And again, the battle of the Ruses, Rude, Rusevorian, Barcelona. That's going to be a fun one. Holger Runa uh, certainly having uh, in a big opportunity for him against Taro Daniel. With that said. Final tournament I want to talk to you about, I know there are two WTA events happening this week, certainly, but I want to talk about the action in Stuttgart because it's a loaded draw. Former uh, current world number one, obviously, Iga Sviantek, who now has won her last seven sets by a 6-1 or better score. Just absolutely ridiculous. She cruises in her first-round match. Had to face a qualifier, but ultimately cruising. You look at her section of the draw, Radikanu's the seed. It's fairly open uh, for Sviantek up top, but beyond that, again, the, you know, we had a three-set battle between two big hitters, Kvitova and Pliskova. That said, you feel like that generation of players, we kind of swept aside at this point, and it's a question of, okay, we know Sviantek's the top dog right now, mm-hmm. but is it Maria Sakkari? Is it Annette Conteve? Is it Naomi Osaka? Is it Arena Sabalenka? Like, of these 25 and under talents, of which there are so many, the biggest domino has been removed. You know, mm-hmm. Ashley Barty is now out of the equation, and last year, Barty cruised to the Stuttgart title, and ultimately, she knocked out Arena Sabalenka, who, indoor clay court, you feel like a faster surface, indoor surface as well, which is the controlled conditions gives her that much more of a chance to hold serve, right, with mm-hmm. ease, because indoors, yep. you know, the ball is exactly where you want it to be. I think if there's going to be a Sabalenka resurgence this season, it has to start right now. Like, if she wants to reassert herself as top five, this is the place to start doing it because there's a lot of points for her to defend coming up at the slams over the back half of this season. Mm-hmm. I want to see a Sabalenka resurgence. I want to see who emerges as the challenger to Iga Sviantek, who is the unequivocal favorite mm-hmm. right now with how well she looks. What are the things you're monitoring? What are the things you're looking for? First off, yeah. Sabalenka, you mentioned her, and she's got Bianca Andreescu. Mm-hmm. Bianca, which like, come on now. Like, yeah, she gets her comeback. We we saw her kind of fade with injuries and, and whatnot, but she, I mean, she's a Grand Slam champion, and so she's back in the mix. And I think if she, like, what do you, what are her expectations? I mean, maybe she finds her form, maybe she doesn't, but it's just great for the women to have her back on the tour. Yeah, another. And very, I thought she looked pretty good in her first round. Right? Again, you could tell. The, to me, it's always the first ball after the serve, yep. right? That plus mm-hmm. one shot. Your footwork is just so terrible. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you could see there were times where Andreescu, mm-hmm. she was like, whoopsies. Like, yep. I forgot what yep. that was like. But out, like it was just the typical mash rust errors that she would make. From a talent standpoint, she's up there with with all these these hitters. So I, I would like to see Andreescu regain her form. And I think she could be a staple at the top of these tournaments as a, as a seated player. But I think for me still, it's Bedosa. I think Bedosa is just steady. Her, like... Her, she just goes out there with a game plan, and she's just she executes at such a high level across all all surfaces. She continues to improve her athleticism. She hits the weight room like nobody else. Like her and Sakari just 
whatever. They drink muscle milk for breakfast and just <laughs> drill. I mean, yeah, drill protein shakes all day. They just yeah. look ridiculously fit. So, I mean, it's going to be a physical battle with girls with those two girls especially. So, I expect those two girls to have big seasons on the red clay. But Schwantek, I mean, that's that's the story. It's like Bart, Barty retired, and we were wondering, like, who's going to take over as, as the face of the tour? And Schwantek has just been electric. I mean, takes the sunshine swing, looking to steady on clay already, and she's just enjoying herself. You know, she gets the Miami Heat uh, floor seats and enjoys her time with Jimmy Butler on, on the court. And you can just tell she's just loosening up. She's just 20 years old, and the bright lights. She, she plays her best tennis. Yeah. So. Angelique, thoughts? Any any previews for us here? Like, she's silent. She, she got she does, she, the soft smile is there. Yeah, she's yeah, not, she's not having smile. it today, man. Yeah, exactly. I figured maybe she'd have some words of wisdom <laughs> for us. No, I mean, again, I think indoor clay, someone like a Ludmilla Samsonova, right, who hits big, who, you know, her ball's going to fly through the surface. I think she's interesting in this place. I think mm-hmm. that own Jabour beat Marketa Von Drusova three sets first round. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you now, Nate, that's going to be a... Uh, Jabour's... The earliest that match happens is, the, barring some sort of draw, is the French Open fourth round. Yeah. Like there is a world where both of those players are into the second week and are serious contenders to capture the French Open crown. You know, Bedosa is going to have Rabakina round yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, that's I mean, a tough matchup. What a fun contrast! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an indoor play. You feel like this mm-hmm. is Rabakina's time to shine. Yep. Give me your Stuttgart breakdown. You going with world number one Iga? She has looked dominant. Of uh, yeah, I'm not going to bet against Iga right now. Yeah. I think it's a, it feels like a weird time to hop off that wagon with with, with the kind of juices she has flowing. Just so much. Momentum momentum right now and it feels like her confidence is at an all-time high her movement is, is so, so steady and um but no i think if outside of that i think you look for maybe like is, is radicanu gonna gonna regain her footing after the, the run and it's like maybe this is her time to do it she feels a little less pressure now she's had a few tournaments where fans are like kind of probably the, the hype has died down a, a little bit so i mean now it's like she kind of sees herself as that underdog mentality again and i think that's when players like her are most dangerous yeah it's gonna be a fun weekend again indoor clay court is not something we ever get the chance to see and so should be a fun couple of weeks of action. Of course, we've also got another event in Istanbul for the WTA. There's that, so much action going no, on. we got Sarasota. we got everything we going on. We haven't even or any of that. So no. with that said, the final thing I wanted to ask you about before we go, because, again, we have the chance to do this in person, Tennis Point official sponsors of the ITA College Tennis Rankings. The last question I have for you, you talk about all the levels. Well, it's the home stretch of the college tennis season, Nate Dog. The big stuff's coming up, postseason tournaments, NCAA tournaments. The final thing I want to ask you, yeah, because, you know, Wednesday – which is when we're recording. That's the day the Cracked Rackets polls come out, the ITA poll, the Tennis Channel USTA poll. I need the Nate Dog poll. I yep. need what Nate Dog's view on these top 10 teams entering the home stretch of the season are. So with that in mind, Nate, give me your top 10. Let's start with the women. Start with the women. Okay. Top 10 for the women. I think number one, you got UNC Tar Heels. I think that's that's a tough one. I mean, 23-1, and one, just been a dominant year for those, for those women. Uh, number two, I got Oklahoma. Okay. Three, I have the, uh, the reigning champs. Texas Longhorns. Shout. So that is your first outlier. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Shout out Peyton Cerns. Yeah, okay, enough said there. Team Yellow right there. Yeah, you got to okay. say, represent Team Yellow whenever we can. So, no, I think Texas is dangerous. They, they've got the confidence that they've been there before. They were just there not that long ago and mm-hmm. led by someone like Peyton Stearns, who's yeah. as dangerous as anybody. So. Collins, Shvathaponzi, yeah. Lova, the Rootskis. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a solid squad. I got Texas. Then I got I got the Wolfpack of NC State, okay. 22-4. and four. I, got the, I got the Aggies at 5. Okay. I got the Blue Devils at 6. I'll tell you now, you're too low on Texas A&M. Yeah? Yeah, there's number 3. Okay. They, they, they're, they're just. They're 27 and one, so I don't. Yeah, and they they're not losing matches. Early fa- they're not. I haven't got, got to, I haven't got to see them as much as I'd like yet. But I, um, Pepperdine, you got the. Uh, they were the finalists last season okay, against like Texas at uh, 17 and six. Then you got Virginia. Okay. The Buckeyes. And finishing off the top ten, you got the Auburn Tigers for me. Yeah, I thought you might throw in Michigan just for me. You know, I almost, 
I, I did. I thought you were gonna leave with the men, so I did you. Yeah. I did you a solid on the men's side, but I appreciate I, it. They, they barely. I, I'll, I'll put them in at eleven. I'll tell you this. I don't know if it was Caroline Lilly or Bobby Reynolds, but shout out to the Auburn tennis staff as the coaches sent me an Auburn bucket hat, which I will be. Oh, you know we like bucket hats over here. Yeah, Michigan. I've got a nice collection now forming. Um, all right. I gotta make. I gotta make a new friend. It sounds like. I kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I. Uh, I kind of like that. I like that top ten. You know what? West off, we're going to have to work that into our cracked records rankings moving forward. With that said, give me the men's. The men, I got the Florida Gators. They got three guys in the top 100 with the number one player in the country, Ben Shelton. I think that's hard to go against with what those guys are doing. I got TCU, the Horned Frogs, the international champions. Okay. I got the Buckeyes at number three. Okay. I got the Baylor Bears, the Volunteers at five, the Gamecocks at six, the Wildcats seven, Virginia at eight, the Trojans at nine, and I got your Wolverines at ten. That is a dramatic underranking of my of the Wolverines. To put you, I just watched that Ohio State match, and I, I think I just had a bad taste in my mouth after what, 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 what we just, just saw. The problem is you watched too much Fenty. You didn't. Watch I did. I watched too much. I, of course, I was locked. You, you can't post him hitting too. a top ten shot on on Ew. cracked rackets and expect me not to watch this guy. <laughs> so no, I, I I did watch a lot of his match. Which you're, yeah, you called me out on this before okay. the pod. Where do you guys have Ohio State right now? I got him at I got him at two or no three. Okay. I got Ohio, so Ohio State at three. three. Michigan. Ohio State's depth is insane. Yeah, but what was so Ohio State what beat Michigan four one? Yeah. Uh, can you remind me what was Ohio State score when they played in Ann Arbor? Because yeah. I don't remember. It. <laughs> oh, it was four zero. Oh, we dropped one set. No, we didn't drop any sets in our victories. What? We beat them straight. <laughs> We're gonna sets, throw up an O H in here real yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look. Ohio State is nuts. And yeah. by the way, we're Michigan. No, that's a crazy what, – what, what, those two results, like you just said, that's yeah. college tennis in a nutshell. It's 100%. like usually, usually you think it's you know, it's an individual sport. You think that things are going to go by the rankings. But, no, you got a team like that, real rivalry, real for, – like the format, the atmosphere, that that setting, anything can happen. And that's the doubles point means so much there. Can you name the two teams to take points off of Ohio State at home this season? It's obviously your Wolverines. One. And um, – I'll give you a hint. They're both at this table. They're both at this table. Yeah. You're overthinking it. They're f- Florida? Xavier. Oh, because my goodness. Lost. I'm thinking, I don't know what I, I'm like, wait, what? Diego Nava. I, I did not forget, Diego, what you did yeah. up in Columbus against Kenan Kingsley. Not facing a break point, I don't think. Taking down Kingsley when he was a top 10 I player. you for sure. Diego. Yeah. Hey, if you're seeing this, that's a, that's, that's a technical foul, man. Cut the clip Cut. That's stuff. That's we might just have to redo this whole segment. Yeah. I feel that's that's a, that's a, that's a, that's tough. It is. Dope. Doug Matthews and those guys, I, I, I did not forget this result. That was one of the coolest. Uh, just because, you know, Xavier hasn't done that in. Probably the first uh, maybe, since, maybe, like, the Zach Muick era. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Diego's having a ridiculous season, top 50 player. His brother at Wake Forest, another top 50 player. Emilio Nava on the tour already. Diego's the third Nava? Diego's the third. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? imagine all being 12.5 UTRs yeah. and above, and you're the third best. So, no, Diego's – he's just had an unbelievable year at Xavier and been the best player in, in program history. So, no. No, college tennis is – I'm all in on college tennis. It's like I need more time in the day to just watch tennis because there's so much action going on right now. And I think college tennis, I want them to take a larger chunk of, of, of okay. my TV time. I want you to say that one more time and look at super producer Daniel West stuff as you do. What does he need? He needs more time to watch tennis. I, that's a common refrain. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's there's so much to take in. It's like, the, yeah, we, uh, West off. We're tennis nerds over here. Yeah. Man. You just get, give me some popcorn. Give, get, let me sit I've back and relax. This story too, and uh, I think we can leave in this word because it's 2022. But one time it was like 4 a.m. and I was sitting out in our kitchen and I was like eating a late night snack, doing whatever, and I was watching all of this tennis. And you know, again, Westoff walks out of his room and he goes, "Dude, are you watching tennis?" And I was like, "I am watching tennis." 
And I was, I was like, honestly, I'd have rather you walked in watching me, having me watch. This is just like too embarrassing for a 4 p.m. Like this is just not going to work. Uh, with that said, of course, Nate Dog, immensely grateful uh, for you taking the time uh, to have us here, to host us here, because of course it just wouldn't be possible uh, to do all we do on the mini break without the support we get from you guys and our friends at Tennis Point. And so again, uh, for all of our viewers, all of our listeners who are tuning in, what are you guys up to at Tennis Point? Because I know it is immense. No, it's. Uh we're excited. This, this, this whole summer is going to be a lot of fun with everything we've, we've been involved with, whether it's Western or Southern. We'll, have, we'll obviously have the 10 out there. That's something where our whole team's prepping for a lot. The U.S. Open will be there for probably a month just getting ready for that whole event. It's going to be awesome there. And college tennis will be at the uh, Champagne at, at the national championships. I'm sure we'll be uh, mm-hmm. hanging out there a lot. What else? I mean, there's. You're Champagne bound? Champagne bound. Oh, I'm gonna get you in all the circles. I can't. Hey, it'll be my first. It'll be my first college ch- uh, championships, and I'm. I can't wait. So, I mean, there's so much going on, but um, no, I was, I'm. I'm just happy you guys got to come down here. One of the best in the business out here with what you guys do on a, a day in and day out basis, with just how consistent you guys are, and uh, continuing to give a spotlight to college tennis athletes and professional tennis and all things junior tennis. You guys put on a heck of an event last week, and uh, I know a, a local Cincinnati kid took that title, so that was cool to watch. But yeah, I've I've been a big Crack Rackets fan for a couple of years now. It's awesome to get you guys on scene. Yeah, we appreciate you having us. And again, everyone knows tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for the best equipment at the best prices, of course. A shout-out, as always, to the aforementioned super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. Has tons of editing to do that makes all of our content, that consistency you mentioned, possible. So shout-out to super Westoff's producer Westoff's the man. Westoff, no doubt about that. With all of that said, for my fantastic co-host and partner in crime, Nate Walrath, super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate Doc, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.